listening to Eternal Stance. I hope this message inspires you to live in light of eternity. Second Timothy 3. It's basically a passage where Apostle Paul, uh, he is going through a really rough time in the sense that he understands that his departure, you know, from this earth could, you know, he could be leaving at any, any, any time. So he is giving advice to Timothy. Now, as you guys know, we had an amazing woman of God pass away this weekend. Um, well, last weekend, I believe, right? Was it weekend? This week. Uh, it was Tuesday, right? Um, and, and man, I, I was just thinking about it the whole week and I was like, I just said hi to her. And like, I, I just remember our last conversations and, uh, to see how she graduated and what a legacy she's left of godliness, you know, behind. And I think it's not just, just you guys mourning that loss. We, we mourn that as a whole church, you know, because I don't think even our church would be together if it wasn't for her. You, you know what I mean? So like to see the impact that she, she had. And, and Apostle Paul here is going through the same kind of idea where he is giving to Timothy kind of last advice. And uh, I love what he says here. He says, but understand that in the last days, there will come times that are very difficult. So let me read that again because I think I kind of butchered it. Uh, so Second Timothy 3 verse 1 says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come a time of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Kind of crazy, right? Like you think that, uh, I remember I was teaching one time and I was talking about the importance of having friends. So this lady came up to me and says, yeah, but you know, we got to go and reach the lost. So you know, I'm friends with these people because I need to reach them, you know. And Apostle Paul says, look, people that are like this, we're not talking about people that are trying to, we're trying to reach here. We're talking about people that claim to be Christians. So they claim to have a form of godliness, but deny its power. They claim to have a godliness, but they deny its power. Um, when I... When I was in junior high, uh, we had to play basketball. That was kind of the first, actually it wasn't junior high, it was more like fifth grade. Is that junior high? That's not junior high. That's still elementary, never mind. So in fifth grade, um, we started to play basketball and quite frankly, I didn't really care about basketball at all. And while we both, well, me and my friend and the whole class really um, started playing you know, basketball at the same time, all of us had about the same skill level, right? Like, none of us really knew how to play basketball. So our coach taught us how to play this game. It was new to all of us. But naturally, some people excelled more than others. For example, I never was good at sports, and I just didn't really care about basketball. 
And uh, I was more like about, you know, how can I excel in my academics, not like playing basketball. But I had a friend of mine, his name was Serge. He was really short, but he was really good at basketball, which if you think about it, it kind of doesn't make sense. But somehow he was the best bas- basketball player in our, our class. And man, he really took things to the extreme, right? Like he really played well. And he, when he was in his zone, right? Like when he was playing basketball, you don't want to mess with him because he's just in his zone, right? Like he's doing his thing. And me, I slowly started to, even though we both started at the same time, what he would do is he put extra effort in. And as he put extra effort in, his team always would win, right? And that win would give him a confidence where a confidence boost, right? Which would cause him to try even harder, which, so he kind of caused a cycle of improving, right? And having that confidence that, hey, we won the last game, so that he would try even harder. On my side of the story, I didn't really care about basketball, so I didn't really put a lot of extra effort into it. Actually, I didn't put much effort. I didn't even do what was expected of me, right? So as I was doing less, it caused my team to lose, which I was like, well, this is a stupid game anyway. So like, which would cause me to put even less effort into it. So my cycle was sort of the opposite direction. So that with every single loss... I was like, well, I just don't want to play anyway. And it sort of spiraled the other way to the point where I was just like, okay, I just really don't care about it. I don't want to do it. And just, I remember this one time that Serge was playing this game that was very important and he lost. He was extremely mad. One of the first time he ever lost a game, his whole team lost. And he's all sweaty, right? And he's just mad. And I look up to him and I started to kind of make fun of him. I'm like, oh, you're so good. And like, I'm literally mocking him. And uh, I'm like, bro, like, I thought you were so good. Like, what's up? You know, you guys lost. And he looks at me. He's just in the most serious face, right? Now, we're really good friends. But he looks at me and says, Slavik, like, what do you know about winning in basketball? You know, and then he goes on to say, like, what do you even know about playing basketball? And I think the reason it hurts so much is because we both knew that it was true. <laughs> and obviously, he just sort of said it, you know, in passing. Uh, he was mad, and he just said it. Because otherwise, he wasn't like that kind of person, right? Like, he, he wouldn't, you know, he was just pretty humble. And But he was mad that I'm taunting him after he lost a match, when I don't even know how to play well. And I think a lot of times we, we have these cycles in Christianity where we are not very good at something, right? And then it, instead of trying harder, we just sort of agree that, hey, I'll just take an L or a loss, <laughs> right? And sort of continue that. And that causes you to lose the passion even further, which causes you to take another loss, Another way to put it, uh, when I used to work for selling cars, they would always say that the best time to sell another car is after you sold the last one. Because like when you sold the car, you're like, Psh, I made some money, like I'll, let, let's go do this again. 
But if it just happens that about two or three weeks you don't sell anything, and you, you're not successful, you don't really feel motivated. And, and you start to sort of be like the guy that at the beginning when you came, you were so excited about that job, right? Or about the opportunity. But then you start to become a little bit more negative every single day. Because you didn't put the, the effort to make it, you know, t- to do a good job. And because of that, that caused some negative consequences. And you never, and you sort of went the opposite direction. And that's how you end up with people talking negatively in all these companies around the water cooler, right? Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? The water cooler talk? I'd be like, well, this company sucks anyway, and nobody really likes it. And the, the management is, you know, if the management did a, a better job, then I'd have money. And like, you always start to blame other people and have this negative sort of connotation to you, every single conversation where you become extremely sarcastic. Or you just kind of like become, you have like this passive aggressive nature where you're like, Psh, I'm just not going to grace him with my presence. I'm just going to like do my thing, right? Like, so, so, a lot of times in Christianity, I see this cycle in one direction or another. Someone that believes God in the little thing causes them to win, which gives them another confidence to pursue the Lord even harder. And God opens another door, right? So you have this, this cycle of, of people improving in their faith and walking with the Lord. Or you have the opposite, where they come and they have a, a, a you know, a horrible experience, not because it was a bad experience, but because they start looking at it negatively. And they start to say things like, well, you know, if my youth pastor would actually spend a lot more time with me, maybe my Christianity would be a lot better. And if our church did exactly like, and you have like these things that you say, but really the problem is not with that. I mean, what it, what am I to do with your walk with the Lord? How committed are you walking with the Lord if you get offended? And you're like, no, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm done. Were you worshiping the church or were you worshiping God in that place? Because you see, for me to go and, and tell Serge how to play basketball, it just doesn't make any sense. Because he, here you have someone that's the best at their game. You know, and to tell him, hey, let me, let me show you, show you some tricks. Laugh at me because I'm just not that good. Imagine if I went to a businessman, I told him, bro, let me, let me show you how to run this company when I've never ran a company before. Imagine if I, if this was even worse, when I would spend time on welfare and then let me tell you how to run your business. Don't make any sense. So when I look at the modern Christianity, I see this idea, right? Where people have, have pursued the Lord, you know, when they came to the Lord, they got excited. And then they, something negative happened. Instead of them turning back to the Lord, they sort of kind of spiraled the other direction. And where they, they, they started to kind of agree and made vows and kept on saying like, oh yeah, well, I'll do better next time. And, and then you sl- start to see the gospel as the problem, not your own commitment. Now, what am I driving at? Look at this. Second Timothy 3 says this, but understand in the last days, there will be, there will come at times of difficulties for people will be lovers of selves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, 
to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. I want to stop on this moment right here and say that they will have a form of godliness but deny its power. Listen to me. They will have a form of godliness but deny its power. What I start to see more and more often nowadays is that I see people that are so committed to like, oh, I am a Christian, right? And as long as I'm authentic, you have those Christians that are like, as long as, when I hear this on, 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 on Facebook, when I see this on Facebook and on Twitter, people are like, you know what? It's okay to be broken. It's okay to go through depression. It's okay to, to not have it figured out. And I understand what they're saying. Like, I know their intentions are well. Like, they're, they really mean, Hey, they, they want to say, hey, you know what? A lot of people have dysfunction in their life, so it's okay. But really, what I hate about this is that it doesn't really cause people to change. Imagine if my car was broken and, you know, it's completely doesn't drive. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just fine with it being broken. Yeah, you might be fine with it, but that doesn't going to take it to work. And something else will be broken in your life. So, so this idea that you can camp around, oh, it's okay to be broken. It's okay to do that. It's okay as long as I'm just genuine. I see this in the rappers a lot of times. I see this, people say this a lot, like, you know, as long as you're just real, bro. I literally had somebody cuss at me and they're like, hey, bro, I'm sorry for cussing, but I'm just trying to be real. And I'm like, bro, I'm trying to be real. Are you saying that unless I use cuss words, I'm not real? I don't understand this mentality. And people go around, they're like, well, as long as, imagine if the doctor had the same idea, right? Like you went with a broken arm and the doctor's like, that's okay. A lot of people have broken arms. That's fine. You know, here I'm just gonna give you some juice and go home. No, you'd say, what kind of doctor are you? I came here for you to fix me. I came here that I might see healing. Now, it's okay to, to go through that for a season, but there has to be healing. There has to be restoration in there. Would you agree? There has to be a doctor comes in and says, I'm going to do things that most people don't have the power to do for you to be okay. Right? So when we talk about people that, that declare such big statements, like we have the Holy Spirit power, we, but then we walk in our own addictions, in our own problems, in our depression, in our own like demon possession and demon oppression, and, and, and we need to be delivered, not just camp there and say, it's okay, a lot of people are going through this. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would anybody want to camp there? Now, for a season, I understand all of us are broken, but the whole idea is to make sure that you move from... And in the next few verses, it talks about how people will keep on learning, right? I just don't have time to go through the whole chapter. I encourage you to go through the whole chapter. It says people constantly learn, but will never come to the knowledge of knowing Christ, right? Like, they're constantly, you know, learn new things. And like, for me, what gets me so frustrated a lot of times is I see people that I grew up with, and I, I, they came to City on the Hill maybe 10 years ago. Or 15 years ago, you know, maybe now it wasn't City Hill back then. It was a different church. 
And it's like you meet them today, and they're still talking about how they have these new revelations and these pro- like these how God speaks to them every single day. But you look at their life, and they're still addicted. You look at their life, and it's like it's you're walking in defeat. So, so if if you have all these revelations, where is the result of your relationship with the Lord? Where is the power in that? How can you go around and say that you had all these revelations for the last 10 years, but you're still as depressed as you were 10 years ago? You're just as going through the same difficulties when I met you 10 years ago, you're still going through the same thing. Now, it's okay to go through a season of depression because all of us happens, right? But we understand that our goal is not to preach that we got to be just real about who we are. Now, being real is important, but we, we need to preach is Christ and the hope that we have in Him. And we have to do it in such a way that it, has a, it makes a difference in our lives. I understand that. Up until this point, it's a pretty depressing message, right? A depressive message. But what I want to say is, guys, nobody reading the Bible can read the Bible Acts and, and Matthew and say, yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're meant to go through depression. Yeah, we're meant to be sick for the rest of our lives. Yeah, we're, we're meant to go through being demon-possessed and oppressed and all these things and having nightmares. Our whole. You cannot read your Bible by itself, right, and come to that conclusion. Because here's the problem with that. You have verses such as, I'm, there's a lot of them, you don't have to open there because there's just so, so many of them, right? Like I'm just going to go through them. Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what he's saying here is that you will have empowerment to go preach to, you know, Indonesia, to go preach to your college, to, you'll be able, you'll be empowered, right? Acts 2.17 says this, And the last days I shall, it shall be, God declares, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even my, my male servants and female servants, in those days I'll pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So, so you can't just, you know, go to your family that's broken, and you look at it and say, okay, well, God says, if you are walking in the Spirit, you should be able to go and prophesy healing and, and, and say, my family is not going to be like any other family. Okay? Look at this. 1 Corinthians 2, 2, 1 and 5 says this, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. This is New Testament. We see a deacon in the church, Stephen, who was actually martyred, he was full of power and grace, and he was able to do great signs. That's not Old Testament. This is not, this is New Testament. Okay? Second Corinthians 10.4. For the weapons of warfare are not flesh, but divine power to destroy strongholds. Right? We have this idea that we should not walk under possession or oppression because God is giving us the, the ability to declare freedom in, in these moments. I love this this uh, this verse. My roommate actually posted it today, and I I saw it on Facebook. It says, "In Christ, we are more than conquerors." So you have conquerors, people that win, and he says, "In Christ, we are more than that." Right? 
2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but that of power and love and self-control. God gave us the spirit, not, of, not the spirit of fear, but the power of love and that of a of sound mind. Think about this. Like, if you are dealing with depression, that is not God's intent for you. Now, nobody is going to look at you and say, well, you, you don't belong here. I'm just saying that we have to move towards healing. This year, we need to be way more ahead. You know, if you've been going to this youth ministry for some time, we should be way more ahead than we were last year. We should be way more ahead than we were five years ago. So how do you make sure that you walk in this power? Because to say that you're a Christian, but walk around defeated, well, that doesn't help anybody. And it doesn't help you for sure. How do you have power? Well, look at this. This guy used to believe that, you know, all the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. And he says this, no one has ever picked up the Bible, start reading it, and came to the conclusion that God was not doing signs and wonders anymore. And the gift of the Holy Spirit have passed away. Nobody can ever believe that. We have this amazing power available to us. I've said it on Sunday and, and we, imagine like if you have your iPhone and you just kind of think that iPhone is just too, it's this little brick that's made out of metal and plastic and, and, and glass. If you've never turned it on, right? Like you'll never have access to what that iPhone can do. So when we talk about being in Christ, walking with the Holy Spirit being inside of us, we have access to this amazing, you know, fountain of life, fountain of joy, fountain of love and gentleness, fountain of power, fountain, a fountain of healing and restoration. We have access to this, but imagine if we just decided, well, we don't want nothing to do with that and walked away. Now you can, you can still be saved. If you are walking through life and you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you said, okay, well, I'm going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but you never go beyond that. There's still a possibility of you being saved, but you don't have to. What I'm trying to say here is there's going to be some people that, you know, maybe don't speak in tongues. Maybe they don't pray for healing, but they'll still be saved. But why would you go through life without being able to declare healing in your family? Why would you go through life without proclaiming joy over your life? Why would you not take advantage of that? Because he came to give us that empowerment. He came to kill, I mean, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. So then how do you do this? How do you make sure that you tap into this? Well, a lot of people don't realize is that, you see, what, to walk in authority and in confidence, we have to make sure that there's the right relationship. Think about this. If I am Donald Trump's son, but I denied his existence, and Donald Trump has not, doesn't want to have anything to do with me, and I don't have anything to do with Donald Trump, can I still walk around and pretend like I can have access to all his stuff? No, because there's a break in that relationship. You see what I'm saying? So authority and power comes in walking in close relationship with where that power and that authority comes through. So we have to realize that maybe the reason 
we are so defeated and powerless is because we never focused on our relationship with God to the point of, is there something that's hindering? Is there something that turned off the tap on that power, right? Like, well, so, so anytime we have a sin in our life, anytime we have something that's in between us and God, that has the ability to cut off the source of power. To walk in power and authority, we have to make sure that our relationship with the Lord is right. Okay? Look at this way how Jesus puts it. John 15 says, I am the grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every single branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will be produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me. Listen to this. This is a different translation says, abide in me. It says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if, it, if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me um, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Can anyone say, ouch? Right? Like, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. What Jesus is saying here is that if you want your life to have fruit, if you want to leave a legacy of godliness, if you want God to raise you up and, and produce an amazing crop or fruit of, of godly, you know, things in your life, you're going to have to remain in Him constantly. A branch that's cut off cannot survive on its own. Right? So for you to be able to walk in, in authority, to see things kind of sprout in your life. And here's the thing. When I told you at the beginning, when I was talking to my friend, and he looks at me and says, Lavik, what do you know about basketball? I think what, why it hurts so much, like I've mentioned, is because it was so true. And when I see people that keep on claiming they have all these revelations and they have all these things, and it's like my in- initial reaction is to believe them. My initial reaction is to side with them. I'm like, that's great. But when I see 10 years of having no fruit in their life, I look at them and I'm like, bro, we both know that this is just a cop-out. We both know that, that you're walking, you have a form of godliness, but you have no power. We both know that your Christianity is not producing fruit in your life because if... If your Christianity was producing, if you were really in the vine, if you're connecting with, connected with the Lord, if this was really true, you should not walk around all defeated. You should not walk around, you know, still oppressed and, and still dealing with the same temptations that you had 10, not temptations, but the same addictions that you had 10 years ago. Temptations happens to all of us. Addictions is when you have a lifestyle of, of sin and you cannot break it off. Now, I'm not here to say that, oh, if you're dealing with that, well, that's just, you're just bad and so on and so forth. I'm, I'm hoping that we can say, hey, yes, it's true. We have a problem. We have to be real about this. But at the same time, 
We cannot just camp here. We cannot just say, well, you know, well, as long as I'm real about this. No, we have to go and start preaching Christ. I see a lot of rappers that are Christian who constantly say, well, you know, it's been five years and they, they've been in ministry for five years. But then they talk about how a year ago they were so depressed. And I'm like, bro, a year ago you're, you're telling us that this Christianity works. But you yourself were depressed. Imagine for a second here if someone told you that they have this amazing thing where if you, if you were to drink this water, right, you'll automatically get 10 years younger. And you drink the water, nothing happens. Well, you should wonder if they, you were lied to or there's just nothing in that water. We have this amazing power to see lives transformed. But if we walk around defeated, uh, I, I heard it said this once that if the gospel that you preach doesn't touch other people, that means the most likely the gospel that you preach hasn't touched your heart. Now, what's the hope here? The hope is in this, is that if we are in Christ Jesus, He takes care of you. You're plugged in and you can never, you can never really die out because there's a source of nutrients, right? Like there's a source of, of love and constant, you know, and, and, and if you by any chance have a weird branch that doesn't produce any fruit, but just sucks a lot of resources, Jesus is going to come. He says he's going to prune that out to, to make sure that you produce even more. I don't know if you guys know how pruning works, but if you have a tree, right? There's these branches that don't really produce any fruit, but they just want to shoot straight up. So you have to cut them out because they take a lot of nutrients, but they don't really produce anything. They're very visible. They're like really big and stuff, but they don't produce fruit. So you have to cut them out because then the nutrients go to this, to this useless sort of branch. So what God is going to do in your life is, is He's going to start to prune you and change you and transform you. But you have to abide in Him. And it starts with going to the cross and saying, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Or Jesus, would you take away my sin? And once you're plugged in, the next thing is, is that you, you have to really believe what he is saying. You can't be a Christian and not believe God. Right? Like this idea that like people can go around and start picking, picking and choosing what they like in the Bible or not. If you start going on this slippery slope, right? <laughs> you're not coming back. I've seen people like, well, I just don't believe in Genesis, you know. It's, I believe in everything else but Genesis. And it's like, it's a slippery slope. Look at this, Hebrews eleven six says this, And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that he, God exists, and He rewards those who sincerely seek after Him. You have to have a faith in the Lord. You have to believe in what He is saying. And understand that He rewards those who sincerely seek after Him. So how do you make sure that you break this cycle of brokenness and, and like, well, the same idea where in basketball, if I wanted to get better at it, I have to start playing, right? And as I'm winning a little bit, right, it gives me a boost of confidence 
to keep on, keep on doing this. And with every single win, with every single thing that I do, right? I mean, maybe sometimes it'll be two steps forward and one step back. But at the same time, God will, will strengthen you. So how do you do in Christianity? Well, don't despise, there's this powerful verse that says, don't despise, you know, the small beginnings. Start little, right? Like, for you, it might be just, just, you know, spending 10 minutes in the Word every single day. And as you start seeing that, okay, I remember this one verse that I memorized the other day, and as that causes a little bit of a, of, of kind of like a little bit of a shift, right? A little bit of a, of, of a movement. And that'll give you a boost to, to go even further. And slowly by slowly, you'll start looking back and like, man, I know I'm still not where I want to be, but, but look how far I've come. Every single day, you improve on something. Every single day, you walk closer and closer to the Lord. And as, as you see, as you are faithful in what God has given you, you'll see how He opens every single door. You'll see how, how He starts to kind of raise you up. But that has to start with the small beginnings. Now, we have about seven minutes left, and I'm going to call you to prayer, and then I'm going to have Ben come up here and, and finish. But I, I want to ask you right now, what's that one thing that's holding you in your relationship with the Lord? What's that one thing that the Holy Spirit right now is convicting you of, but you haven't come to the cross, you haven't bring, brought it up to the Lord? Would you start with that and say, Lord, would you just take this away? Help him be plugged in. And as you develop that one small route to godly friendships, to reading the Bible every day, spending time in devotion, right? Spending, maybe taking and leading a small group. As you take these small steps, you'll see how God will give you, empower you more and more and more. That's how these people who, when they go up there and you look at them like, well, they're such a powerful man of God. Well, they didn't get there overnight. It was a constant sort of dance with God where they would take a step and then God would encounter them and then they would take another step and God would encounter them. It's a process. It's a journey. That's what I'm hoping you understand tonight is, is if you want to make sure you walk in freedom, you walk in power, be faithful in the little things. And with every single win, with every single thing that you do, you'll see how God will come and meet you. Thank you for listening to Eternal Stance. My hope is that these messages will help you to live in light of eternity. If this podcast is a blessing to you, would you share with other people? Thank you in advance, and until next time, God bless you.